Welcome to Ministry by Mail, a weekly sermon publication of the Church of the Lutheran Confession. Our sermon for the third Sunday after Epiphany is by Pastor Luke Berenthal of St. Stephen Lutheran Church, serving Mountain View in Hayward, California. Our theme is Jesus' Ministry Then and Now, Teaching, Preaching, and Healing, based on the text of Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17 and verse 23. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from His Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is our teacher and our healer, dear fellow redeemed. The text for our meditation and application to our daily walk of faith is taken from Matthew chapter 12, chapter 4. We'll read verses 12 through 17 and then also verse 23. Now when Jesus heard that John, and that's referring to John the Baptist, had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it, may, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we jump to verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. These are the words of our Lord. Let us pray. Let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I'm guessing that, especially over the last couple of years, the why God question has entered your heart and mind. Why, God, have you allowed such and such? Why, God, is this happening. Maybe it's a result of the pandemic that we're still enduring. Maybe some other tragic event brings on these why God questions or perhaps some other difficulty in your life. If so, how did you try and answer that question? Did you turn to the wisdom and opinions of other people? When you ask that question and feel those questions rising in your hearts, do you tend to share the doubt of skeptics and those who view tragedies, diseases, and suffering as proof that there is no God? And if there is, he certainly can't be all loving if he allows those things to happen. Do you shrug off biblical answers like the fact that God's ways are infinitely higher than ours and simply beyond our comprehension? Or the words that tell us that despite all the bad there is in this world, God has promised to work it out for the good of those who love him. Do we hear those and say, oh, that's not really that comforting, or we just simply shrug it off? Do you listen to the last verse of our sermon text and hear how Jesus went through all of Galilee, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people, and then wonder, where is he now? Why isn't Jesus doing that 
now when our country and our world are facing sicknesses and diseases and tragedy? Or do we look instead to Jesus and trust his words and promises? Do we find our emotional and spiritual comfort and solace in the fact that he is still here? He always will be, even to the end of time, as he promised in the end of the Gospel of Matthew. The verses from our text for today are part of the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Galilee, a ministry in which he reached out to all people and all types of people, both Jews and Gentiles. It's a ministry that Jesus still continues today with his teaching, with his preaching, and yes, even with his healing. Our text tells us that Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, which would be like their, their churches. What did Jesus teach during his ministry? Well, he taught the teachings of God's word, which at that time would have been the Old Testament, since the New Testament had not yet been written. Jesus' life and his teachings would be a fulfillment of God's scriptures. In fact, the very start of his ministry here in this region of Galilee was a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy, as Matthew says in verses 14 and 15, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Since Jesus was teaching and fulfilling God's word, Jesus' ministry was the truth. God's word in the Old Testament taught that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Therefore, Jesus taught similar things. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Jesus' word and God's word lined up because Jesus, as God, spoke God's word. Jesus' ministry still teaches the truth today, the truth of God's word. Now, yes, he uses many different servants of his word to teach it to us. He uses pastors, teachers, parents, fellow Christians. Yet the fact remains, his holy word still stands as the eternal, unchangeable truth. When we see calamities, disasters, diseases, destruction all around us, Jesus still teaches us God's truth. Truth and comfort from words like Psalm 46. Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. The occurrence of natural disasters, sickness, disease, war, and death. The occurrence of those things in this world does not disprove God's existence or his goodness. What it does prove, however, is the truth and the effects of sin on human beings and on all of God's creation, which the Bible says groans for deliverance from its bondage of corruptions. These things Jesus taught to his disciples. 
He taught this truth to his followers then and still tells it to us today. He says, but when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled. For such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. So when Jesus pointed to these things that we still see happen today and have seen throughout the history of the New Testament, throughout the history of the world, in fact, they are to be reminders that this world will not last forever. They are to be reminders that Jesus is coming again, that we should be prepared for his coming, and that he will come and rescue us from all of these evils. And so Jesus gives this instruction and this encouragement to his followers Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Jesus' preaching also called the hearts of its hearers to repentance. Our text tells us that not only was Jesus going around teaching, he was also preaching. He began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This, coincidentally, was the exact same message that John the Baptist, the one that God had sent to be the one who would prepare the hearts of the people for Jesus, it would be the exact same message that John preached. The difference in their two messages was, of course, that Jesus was preaching about himself. He wanted to turn the hearts of the people from their sins, repent of their sins, and turn to him as their Savior from sin. We learn from the Bible that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven comes wherever the gospel is preached. And our text tells us that Jesus went about all Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Where the gospel is preached, there the kingdom is going to be. The gospel, of course, is a word that means good news. The gospel, then, is the good news of salvation through Jesus. This is the light that shined in the darkness. The darkness of sin and unbelief that surrounded that region of Galilee. Jesus' preaching of this gospel, this good news about himself, that he had come to save all people through his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection, was the fulfillment of this prophecy of Isaiah that was quoted in verse 16 of our text. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. That light, that capital L, light, still shines in the darkness of sin and unbelief in our world today. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God comes wherever the gospel is preached still today. We hear Jesus' words of repentance, forgiveness, and faith preached here in this pulpit, whether it's here in person or online each Sunday. We still hear that good news of Jesus' salvation won for all sinners in the pages of our Bibles when we read it at home or, or again here in church. This good, good news tells us that we're not just insignificant 
We're not just gnats in the midst of an indifferent universe, but rather we are, by faith, the special chosen children of God, the one who created and still controls this universe. We are his children by faith. We are loved. We are cared for. We are chosen. We are individually chosen by God and saved individually by our Creator, as are all Christians, including those who may have lost their lives in tragedies, wars, diseases, and sicknesses all over the world. The Bible also tells us that God knows, loves, and provides for all people. And above all, the Bible says he wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's why Jesus went about preaching the gospel. That's why he still preaches it today through the ministers of his word, through the mouths of his believers. We also find in this gospel message a message of true healing. In the gospel is where people find true healing, healing for their souls. Now, it's also true that our text tells us that Jesus went about all Galilee healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Jesus showed his love and his compassion for people and proved himself to be exactly who he said he was, the Son of God, by physically healing people of their sicknesses and their diseases. And throughout his ministry, we're told in the Gospels that Jesus did a lot of healing. In fact, in the Gospel of Mark, it tells us that one evening after the Sabbath, this same town of Capernaum where Jesus is preaching, the same town that day, um, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. Well, then we might ask the question, with all the rampant sickness and disease, including this current pandemic, all over our country and all over the world, why doesn't Jesus just heal all of them like he healed all of these people in that account from Mark in Capernaum? Well, we might also ask the same question, then why didn't Jesus heal all of the sick people in his day? All the people who lived in Jerusalem or Bethlehem or any other of the cities at that time? We simply leave that answer, the answer to that question, in the hands of our Savior. We trust his perfect wisdom. We trust his grace, his love, his perfect will. Besides that, who are we to say how many people Jesus has or hasn't healed from sickness, whether through natural means or miraculous means? Who are we to say how many people Jesus has prevented from getting diseases and sicknesses in our community, in our country, and around the world? Now, yes, he most often chooses to heal and protect us through natural means, he did so even in, in his day. There were doctors and people who gave medical attention to other people in that day as well. 
But if you ask anyone who is a doctor or worked in a hospital for a number of years, you'd probably also be surprised to find that they likely have seen and heard of many people getting unexplainably healed as well as being healed through natural means or through medicine. Think also of the miracle of healing that Jesus works so many times in the aftermath of tragedies and loss. Who do you think is responsible for bringing about the healing that takes place? Who do you think is responsible for the great outpourings that you always see of compassion from people, including strangers, to victims who are, or to people who are victims of tragedy and loss? Who is it who moves our hearts, who moves us to give compassion and have love for others, to show kindness to them when they're going through sickness and loss and tragedy in their lives? Even more importantly, how many hearts has the Lord has the Lord drawn to Himself through the healing power of His gospel during tragedies? It is, of course, Jesus. He is the one who is bringing good, eternal good, even from tragedy. What we also need to remember is that the darkness of sin and unbelief is much darker and even greater than the, the, the darkness of sickness or poverty or tragedy. Sin and unbelief have eternal consequences. There is no amount of money or medicine that can cure those diseases. Jesus' ministry was all about being a light to cure that darkness, to bring eternal joy and life to the souls of men and women and children everywhere who were suffering from not just physical illness, but the spiritual disease of sin and unbelief. His teaching, his preaching, and yes, even his healing were all focused on rescuing us from the death we deserved, eternal death. When Jesus reached out with his compassionate hands to heal, his purpose was more than just to give some physical relief to the people he healed. We have a perfect example of this in one of the accounts. Uh, it's found in Matthew and in the Gospel of Mark. When a paralytic was brought to Jesus by his friends, what were Jesus' first words to that paralytic? When the, his friends brought him to him, he reminded this paralytic of his greatest need and his greatest joy. He said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus proved his love and his compassion for all people, not just by stretching out his hands to heal them, but by stretching out his hands on Calvary's cross to take the nails of sin and the cross for you and me. He experienced the tragedy of the world's sins being dumped on him, and he endured hell so that you and I would never have to. But of course, Jesus' story doesn't end there. Sin, death, and hell could not hold Jesus. He lives. He lives and he promises us eternal life with him. He gives us new life with his spirit to live in his love 
and his compassion and to continue this ministry shining the light of Christ in the darkness of those who sit in the shadow of death. He's called us to do so with his teaching, his preaching, and his healing. Amen. And that peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. This has been a publication of the Church of the Lutheran Confessions Ministry by Mail. Visit clclutheran.org for more information. For print copies of this or other sermons, please visit lutheransermons.org.